0: Now, I think the left is, you know, really gotten smarter in one way that they won't outright tell you they're communists. As they gained enough of a majority of a stranglehold within education, well, suddenly you own the hiring practices, you own the executive positions, all these places that make decisions. At that point, things advanced fast. If we don't turn things around and the 2024 election is lost, I hate to be blackmailed, Sean, but I,
1: I would say that's it. All right, folks, we've made it more than halfway through the work week. We have an amazing show, a lot going on in Washington. Donald Trump, lots happening on his front. Nikki Haley says yesterday, she's staying in, even with the South Carolina primer, her home state this Saturday, she's losing by 30 points. We'll see how true that is, if she really stays in after Saturday night. Um, The House is having a conversation with Jim Biden, Joey's brother, about Uh, His misdealings. We'll see what comes of that. This is really tied to the impeachment investigation. And then the House is also, while out of session, technically trying to figure out how it's going to fund the government. But today, an amazing conversation with Robbie Starbuck. He has a brand new movie out called The War on Children. He was a big Hollywood director, big, big stars in big, big projects. And he's turned his attention to shine a light on what's actually happening. Guys, I've seen a lot. I cover a lot. I have not seen things that he exposes in this movie, in the likes of which you are gonna be blown away. If you're a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, an uncle, an aunt, a godparent, you have to watch what Robbie's putting forward. His wife Landon and Robbie show us things in organizations and evolutions, in books and movies that kids are seeing today, in schools that you need to know. You need to see this and what he has done.
0: Do you feel like this is a war on children? I know it's a war on children, but like they said, we're coming for your kids. Yeah. And they have.
1: Robbie, welcome to the show, congrats on the movie. Oh, thank you, we're very excited.
0: I mean, the response has been insane. We're at over 45 million views now, so
1: it's definitely beyond our wildest expectations. That's pretty much where the show is right now too. My show is, so we're we're pretty much on par, 45 million views. Uh, that's if I multiply it by 40 million. Um, Mm. so let me ask you this. I, I, I find it fascinating. You had sort of really distinguished yourself with a pretty solid career in Hollywood as a director. Where was the shift for you between, uh, that world and, and kind of coming over and doing something like this?
0: yeah, I mean, so I'm Cuban, um, and I think that that kind of by itself for anybody who follows politics, kind of informs a lot. We're the most conservative voting bloc in the country. Um, every day of my life growing up, I was reminded of the evils of communism, you know, I mean, it's kind of a joke, a running joke, in a you know, a lot of Cuban families. You know, if you have a bad day and you're the child of like a Cuban refugee, like my mom, you know, you have a bad day. It's like, Oh, how was your day? It was bad. Oh, did somebody steal your freedom today? It's like, okay, well, maybe my day wasn't that bad. Um, So you're reminded all the time about the exceptionalism of America and everything else, but you're also taught about the dangers of how communism came to rule over the Cuban people and steal everything that many families worked for their whole lives. And I started to see these things sort of coming down, you know, the the path. And in Hollywood specifically, it is not a forgiving place for conservatism. And I thought to myself, you know, I've been incredibly lucky. Uh, my mom came here as a penniless refugee and I was able to turn myself into a success in one generation and achieve the American dream. My kids are comfortable. They go to the best schools. You know, um, life is good. If people like me won't take a risk for America to have that promise in the future for my own children, then what kind of man am I? And so um, it was fairly easy for me to be perfectly honest. It's just the value set that was ingrained in me that you stand up for what's right. And I knew that, you know, what was being done to children was wrong. But I also knew that on an overall, the far left had taken over these major cultural institutions and government institutions, and it was leading us toward a very, very dangerous path that is going to lead to a new form of communism. And I think some of the older generation has a tough time with understanding uh, what I mean by that because they're used to communism being, you know, total control of the means of production. And it's this like, you know, very almost proud, you know, communists of the past, they were very open about their communism. Now, I think the left is you know, really gotten smarter in one way that they won't outright tell you they're communists. Instead, they behave as if they're saving democracy when in reality, they're forming this new type of communism where they control these entities. Big tech's a great example where they might look like publicly traded companies, but these are companies that are very... You know, much in control of the left. Whatever the left wants, the narrative they desire is what they will achieve. And I say that as somebody who, you know, I currently have an amicus brief in the Supreme Court in the Missouri v. Uh, Biden case, which has been renamed now, but that's what everybody knows it by. Because the EIP, as a third party of the government, was trying to censor me. You know, and so what's this is EIP? this is so that's the Election Integrity Partnership. They marked me as a misinformation spreader. And what's amazing about this is I got the tickets from Twitter that uh, the EIP had submitted, and they're acting as a proxy for the government. And these tickets are ridiculous. In one case, I told people in 2020, don't leave until you know your ballot has been counted. And they marked that as election misinformation. In in what in what sense is that election misinformation just tell people hey just make sure your ballot's counted because there had been some issues where people were being told to leave before their ballot was counted and they were nervous about it and I said you know in any sane country you wait and you see it's counted you know through the 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 tabulation machine and so it was examples like that that they mark as misinformation. Well, Stanford then laundered this information and made this list of the top 20 misinformation spreaders in America. And it was like me, President Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Charlie Kirk, um, and you know about 15 other great people. And we all have the distinction of being very... Very open conservatives, you know, and so um, it was clear what they were doing. And you know, I think that that case at the Supreme Court right now is going to result in a million other cases um, in terms of the people who were actually affected by this and being censored to stop many different things. Um, so you know, it's it's a wider picture in terms of why I did this in Left Hollywood because I see what's coming down the pipe. And even if I have a very difficult time over the next 20 years, 30 years, making the films I want to make and everything, I'm going to make this path easier for the next people. Um, and for us to have our own culture, for us to have our own films, our own version of, of culture. And so, you know, I'm going to do it and, and I'm going to do everything possible to make that path easier for other creative people who are afraid to, to come out and tell the truth. Because let me tell you, in Hollywood, there's actually a good number of conservatives who are
1: just terrified to come out because they feel they're going to lose everything. Hey guys, you know, when you look at the market these days, it's got its ups and its downs. You always have to worry about what Biden's going to do, which is why I made a choice to call my friends at Bishop Gold Group. And you can go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean to start your journey with them to talk about how you can add precious metals into your investment strategy. Now, maybe you just want to invest like I did. Maybe you've got a 401k or an IRA that's sitting on the shelf somewhere from a previous job and you want to roll it over. The cool part is they can have that conversation with you. You can either go to bishopgoldgroup.com/slash Sean and you get a free promotion, which I would do because it's free and I like free stuff, or you can actually even give them a call at one 844 984-1616. Just tell them that Sean sent you and have that conversation with them about starting your journey with financial metals with Bishop Gold Group. The thing is, you're getting hit up all over the place. I know it. I hear all the commercials. The differences. I've talked to a lot of them. I had that conversation with Bishop Gold Group. They are full of integrity and trust and experience. They know what they're doing. Call them or go to bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean to start your journey, your investment strategy with, financial medals with them, gold, silver, platinum, whatever you want, they'll create a strategy that's right for you, bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean. I am so glad you said that, you know, I, I was on Dancing with the Stars in case you couldn't tell, I'm a very artistic person, <laughs> uh, that's a joke. When I see you, I think I think dancer,
0: you know? That's I what mean, I say.
1: I look in the mirror, I go, man, that guy, he's got rhythm. Um, the thing that I found fascinating when people ask me all the time, um, was I was shocked by the number of times somebody would pull me aside and say, hey, I'm with you. And I was like, what the, I mean, from makeup artists to people down the, you know, walking down the street, I remember coming out of church one day um, and it was a Saturday night and this woman pulled me aside and said, hey, look, I just, I appreciate everything you're doing. And I'm like, how, it's it's like they're all in hiding, but it's amazing the number of people and the actors as well. It's not just the, the, the people- yeah. Off screen, but I would go. Why? Why? It is amazing how silenced these people are, and yet how really prevalent that that they are out there. That they just don't. They're so scared. Yeah,
0: you know, uh, in in Hollywood they call them uh, below the line workers. So that's like your grips, your your electricians, makeup artists, people like that, um, and. I found that a massive number of them actually are conservative. Um, I I wouldn't even say it's crazy to say it might be 50% of them where you get into smaller territories, like with actors, even big time actors, I'd say it's probably more like 20% are conservative, but they're, they're terrified, you know? And, and, You think about the cultural effect of having people out there who are openly who they are. The left has that in droves, right? In Hollywood, you struggle to name five well-known stars who are currently working, who are openly conservative. And the thing that I've always had a bit of an issue with is I know a number of them that are A-list, like bankable actors who they pull in huge money and they are fully conservative. Their excuse you know, the dog doesn't hunt for me, you know, where they're like, well, I'm going to lose my career. I'm like, you have hundreds of millions of dollars. Go start your own studio. Be brave. Do something courageous. Like our founders, you you claim you stand with their ideals. Like our founders would have done something brave. And so I push those people. You know what it is buttons. though, by the way,
1: can I just tell you my my two cents on this? I don't think yeah. it's the money. I think that they are afraid of of their circle of friends and being ostracized. I've had this experience similar to you. There's plenty of these guys with money. And I'll sort of be like, oh, great. So they are so... I had this conversation with one famous actor when I was out in Hollywood and he kept asking me questions. And he said, it's just a shame that we can't have these conversations. I said, I'll go on any show you want. I literally, I, we were talking about this. And I said, I'll go, What you name it. I said, but I guarantee you, if you and I go together, or if I go on, you know, he had a podcast or something. I said, you will get crushed. And so it's not so much about that. They are so scared that they can't go to the parties and the awards dinners anymore because the social pressures are more than the financial pressures.
0: Yeah, I, I do think that you're correct that that's that's a big part of this. And you know, what's funny about it is I would say it was the greatest gift of coming out as conservative <laughs> was shedding all of the weight of fake people. Yeah, um, because there's all these people when you're in Hollywood, if you direct, you know, like I directed Oscar winners and, and stuff like that. And so there's all these people who want proximity to power or fame. And so they're like these hangers-on that wanna, they, they wanna climb up the ladder. And so they they will pretend to be your best
1: friend, right? But that's, so minute, it's funny you say that because I always tell people, Washington and Hollywood are not that different. Washington oh, the is just, thing. it's just ugly people, uglier people in Washington. And the reality the is, is that same. all these people want power and proximity. And you're absolutely right. It's just, it's a it's a different means, right? But all they're the same thing. And I get so pissed. At conservatives that think by sucking up to the press that they get to go to the parties and they hang out, these are not your friends. This is all transactional. They may rent you for a moment because you're in power. The second that the Dems take over or your party loses, you're out. They are not your friends. And too many of these conservatives get hung up on the wrong priorities. They think going to the parties is the cool thing and will bring them fame. They are being rented and they'll be tossed aside Is second that they're out of power.
0: It's absolutely right. I mean, I I see, you know, I I've met a lot of these people in Congress where I'm like, you're working for the love of people who hate you instead of the people who loved you yes. enough to put you in a position of power. That is patently absurd. I right. mean, it's 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 not just absurd. I think what bothers me is my operating sort of motto in my head is anytime I think about something that has to do with governance, good governance and saving this country, I always think like, what would our founders do? And it sounds cliche, but the truth is, we're talking about extraordinarily brave men who I think a lot of people don't realize the number of them who had their wives die, their children die, they died penniless. Um, they did it because they were truly ideological. And and the other incredible thing too, when you think about our founders is we're talking about men who in many cases had almost no education and formal training. And yet if you read their writings, they are brilliant. I mean, absolutely brilliant. You would struggle to find somebody out of the most elite Ivy league schools that can write on par with them. And these are men who in many cases didn't finish school, barely went to school, were homeschooled, um, And the brilliance is there. The bravery is there. I don't see it in current society. I see an absolute lack of it in in the men and women in D.C. And that goes for both parties. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, as conservative as they come, but I'm very disappointed with my party and the people that we've sent to D.C. because I see a virus and the virus is weakness. Yeah. And it's it's this search, like you said, to be loved by all the wrong people. It's like, it's almost like an abusive relationship. If your child was in a relationship with somebody that treated you the way that DC treats Republicans and they kept going back and and wanting love from that group of people, you would say, you're being abused, you need to stop. Um, and you would do everything you could to save them. But our party, I guess, just is stuck in this cycle and and
1: unwilling to get out. All right, folks, are you scared of the dark? Because <laughs> I can't be sometimes. I know my kids get scared of the dark. But imagine going without power for a few hours in the middle of the night, uh, a few days, weeks, maybe even months. And there's all sorts of threats that are out there. I spent you know, time at the US War College planning, doing contingency planning, seeing how people get ready for things. The one thing that you can do for yourself right now is go to 4 slash Spicer. Check out the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. I have one. This is how I make sure that if something were to happen to me, I could plug in my refrigerator, my computers, and gosh knows those kids with the computers and the tablets, they would want those. Your phone, all the things that you rely on power on, medical devices that you may need, all of it can be done with the Patriot Power Generator. It can be powered through solar panels that come with it for free. You can bring it inside your house. It's portable. You can put it in your car and take it somewhere. If you had to go somewhere, help out a neighbor or a family member, no fumes inside, all of that gets powered with the Patriot Power Generator. And because of those solar panels, you never have to worry about getting it recharged or refilled with gas. No, no, no. That's all taken care of with the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. Go to 4patriots.com slash Spicer check it out. This is the kind of thing that you need in your house when and if an emergency happens. Be prepared. Get the Patriot Power Generator 2000X at 4patriots.com slash Spicer. You bring up children, so let's move on to the movie, The War on Children. Uh, let me ask you the question because, first of all, I watch this. I cover, I mean, I do a show every day. I talk about stories where kids are being forced to transition or being held back from, uh, from the government doing something. But I learned more in this two-hour movie than, I, and I I say this because I think I'm a fairly well-read guy that keeps up with politics and and the actions of local governments that make the news. But there were terms and history in this documentary that I just was unaware of. And I think that for, for folks that want to understand what we're up against, that's what I think is so compelling about the film that you created, is that it really gets to a lot of the origins and the warning signs. Are they
0: intentionally sexualizing our children and stealing their innocence? I think that's right. TikTok specifically is designed to target young people. That's who their audience is. Have children died because of social media? Absolutely. Have they been trafficked off of social media? A hundred percent. Have they been sexually exploited off of social media? Ongoing, yes. Do you feel like this is a war on children? I know it's a war on children,
1: but like, they said we're coming for your kids yeah and they have so so let me start off with something that came out right out of the back what explain to people what the mere exposure effect is
0: Yeah. So for us, uh, you know, it's very simple in in Hollywood terms. You know, the more you expose somebody to something, the more likely it is that they come to support it or accept it. You know, so um, take any issue over the last 50 years, whether it be gay marriage or marijuana, whatever. You know, you go back in time and you look at how it was accepted 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Well, how do you get to the point where it's, it's changed to the point where it is now, where it's it's widely accepted, you know, in, in most parts of America. And it's because it was normalized in culture and you did it enough over and over and over again. The repetition becomes it is normal and you are abnormal if you have a problem with it. So Hollywood uses this on a regular basis to advance leftist causes and issues. Um, and I don't think that's a surprise to most people. I think the term itself and the science behind it is something that people kind of have been fascinated by from the film, but it is something that is just, it's just—it's—it's very clear. It makes a ton of sense to anybody. I mean, it's kind of marketing 101, you know, um, even with billboards and things like that. They talk about the importance of impressions. You know, if you see a certain sign or logo seven times, you know, it starts to ingrain and you start to get comfortable with it and you start to desire it if you see it at the store. It's sort of similar on an issues basis if you see it in so many movies, And so, you know, one of the ways this connects to kids, we talked to a marketing executive um, in the film who was chief creative officer at one of the biggest ad agencies in the world, um, certainly here in the US. And they managed some of the biggest accounts ever. And, and, um, you know, he was really insightful to this as to the fact that like, they know they're sexualizing kids and they don't have a problem with it. And, um, you know, how deep he goes into that, I think is fascinating. But on a Hollywood level, If you think about, okay, what are they normalizing for the next generation? Well, just go watch the shows that are the most popular among that age group. They're normalizing promiscuity. They're normalizing not having monogamous relationships. They're normalizing massive rampant drug use, uh, criminal behavior, and all kinds of just terrible things. And then questioning of identity and, you know, really sexual delinquency in many different ways, you know, um, and adopting really you know, sort of dangerous behaviors. So all of these things are happening. And then uh, faithlessness in God as well. And then you look at the reality of the statistics we see, highest suicide rate, worst mental health crisis, and lack of faith in God at its highest level that we've ever seen in a new generation. And you see just an overall struggle that's going on in this generation when it comes to identity. And it's very clear they're being influenced and manipulated, not just by the TV shows they watch, but the social media too. I think that's honestly, one of the most fascinating parts of the film to me, and maybe my favorite, is the teen focus groups that we did. Because the teenagers just straight up telling you what's going on on the internet, how it's affecting their lives. I mean, it's like you're going straight to the source. you know. And I think the thing that was really fascinating was I asked them all, will you guys give social media to your kids? And every single kid said no. And it was shocking to me because I actually really did not expect that. And you know, my team had known already these kids are on social media. So I said, the follow-up is, you know, you guys are on social media. How do you explain that? You know, make that make sense to me. And, you know, it sort of explained to me, like drug addicts don't want their kids to be drug addicts. You know, if you're a heroin (laughs) addict, you don't want your kid to have heroin. We know what it's doing to our generation. Why the hell would we want that for our kids? And I thought that was fascinating.
1: So where where does it, what are the things that I've wondered is when did the shift start? You talk about this in the classroom, right? You used to go to, when I grew up, when we learned. We had home ec, uh, math, science, PE, and, and that was it. There really wasn't, like uh, I remember we had a, a sex ed class and it was very rudimentary. This is how a baby is born. This is how the reproductive system works. And now it's, you show in this, some of the movies that they see and some of the the books that are available, like how and when did this start? Because I, I, I just remember if you, if you said the wrong word in my classroom, you would be sent out to the principal's office and now they're pushing it on them.
0: Yeah, so this is a good question. Um, and some people won't like this answer, but first I'll sort of preface it with this. Um, there has never been a communist color revolution that was successful that happened in a happy country. And there has not been one where education was not taken over by that group. Okay. So in Cuba, they took education before they took the country. We're looking at the same thing here in America. The Republicans of old, um, are our party 20, 30 years ago. Um, they ceded education. I mean, entirely. I mean, there was just a general acceptance that well, the Democrats have the teachers unions and they've got the schools, and you know, we even had Republicans naming Democrats to these positions in many states. Okay, it was almost like a hey, we're get, this is a thank you to you guys. You lost the election, but we're gonna give you we're gonna give you this um that was happening in 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 some cases and so when you have that sort of attitude and republicans bought into this idea of making education nonpartisan in elections well what effect did that have like i live in a very red area of tennessee right um our school board up until the most recent election had been nonpartisan for a very long time the result of that is Democrats owned a majority of the school board in a very conservative county that went almost 70% for Trump, right? Um, That's only possible as a byproduct of Republicans failing to secure the elections, make the issues clear to voters, be very honest that these are partisan positions on school boards, and do what's necessary to protect our kids. We didn't do that for decades. And a bunch of people woke up one day and said, how did this happen? Well, it happened through decades of inaction and being comfortable and kind of sitting on on our butts. You know, we've got to be proactive in education and make sure that we are taking our space up and that we are voicing for our kids what's important and taking the time to do the service necessary, you know, by serving on school boards and things along those lines Um, and being really eagle-eyed parents. You know, eagle-eyed parents stop a lot of crazy stuff in this country now. And you've seen that with Moms for Liberty groups and Mom Army and other groups like that, where you know the the organization of parents together have sort of scared school boards straight in many cases. Um, so but we did need this more happen, of that. But,
1: but to get back to what I was asking, did this happen in like the last 10 years or is this a like a 30 or 40 year evolution where it's chip, 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 chip?
0: I think it's more the 30-year evolution where it chip, 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 chip until suddenly, you know, it's sort of like in technology, you have this, this curve of advancement where, you know, it'll slowly curve for, you know, 15, 20 years, and then you hit this threshold where it starts to rise, and suddenly it's rising like crazy. It's just exponential growth over growth when you hit a certain number. So as they gained enough of a majority of a stranglehold within education, well, suddenly you own the hiring practices, you own the executive positions, all these places that make decisions, you guys are choosing the curriculum. Well, at that point, things advanced fast. And same thing happened in Hollywood, you know? Um, I posted something recently that people found shocking. Over the last 10 years, we saw the largest demographic shift in hiring in Hollywood that you have ever seen. Um, you, you went from having, you know, uh, a white majority in Hollywood, which reflects the demographics of the country, to having an absolute white minority in in Hollywood. And, uh, you know, women outnumber men now for the first time ever and, and by a big chunk. Um, and you saw the same thing reflected in the characters shown they don't reflect the demographics of the country any longer and i think reflecting the demographics of the country is sort of like a fair thing everybody sh- could agree on you know um but we're not anywhere near that anymore it's gone so wildly the other way that it is it's advancing quickly toward you know this this
1: very far left ideal of what society should look like All right, folks, if you're a longtime watcher of the show, you know about my friends at Delta Rescue. Uh, Go to deltarescue.org and you can check it out. If you're an animal lover, you're going to want to see the amazing work that they're doing there. And it was all started by a guy named Leo Grillo. I've gotten to know Leo over the the last several months. He's a great guy that had a mission, which was to give abandoned and malnourished and maltreated animals, dogs, cats, horses, a sanctuary, not a shelter. It's a no-kill sanctuary. And if you go to deltarescue.org, there's a bunch of videos on there. If you're an animal lover like I am, I've rescued three dogs. Uh, you, You know what I'm talking about. You watch these animals that had been abandoned have a place to roam free to get the nutrition they need, the veterinarian care that they need for life. Now, Leo started this off when he rescued one dog, but it has now become a lifelong mission for them. So if you go to deltarescue.org, you can not only see what they're doing, but you can help them out. And they rely solely on our contributions. There's no government funding, no nothing. It's all you and me and everybody else who's an animal lover out there. So you can give $5 or $100, $1,000, whatever you feel comfortable if you're an animal lover to take care and make this. We can also go and check out that estate planning kit there and think about making them part of your estate so that this mission that Leo Grillo started can become an enduring one, so that dogs, cats, horses can always have a lifelong no-kill sanctuary to be taken care of. Please go to DeltaRescue.org and help them out. You know, it's funny. I I posted this a while ago. Um, I own a, I have an E Trade account, and so I have a bunch of stocks that I buy and whatever, and so I get the little um, annual meeting proxies. You know, vote for the board of directors, vote for this, and. I vote against all the directors all the time, just because it's. I feel like if that's who they want, then I'm going to vote against them. They always have a shareholder resolution these days that asks uh, for for DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, or ESG stuff. It's a, it's amazing because if you actually ever read the corporate recommendation, they vote. They want you to vote no. They want everyone else to live by these certain rules, except themselves. They don't want to abide by them. They want you to live by them. That's absolutely right. I mean, I thought the DEI uh, part uh,
0: of the documentary and the coverage of sort of all these corporate policies um, was really fascinating because you you do get that sense that like, and I think especially now that it's become a larger national conversation since Elon bought X because it's really kind of blown up on there. Um there's also fear from some of these court cases that there's going to be a reckoning and these companies are going to be on the hook for some serious money because some of their practices were explicitly racist that were adopted after the George Floyd stuff. Um, And so I think there's a fear in the corporate world and a desire to move away from this stuff because they're starting to recognize the legal liability. Um, In terms of, you know, how everything's been taken over there, the fact that Jesse Jackson is it a bunch of the major shareholder meetings, <laughs> you know, really whipping votes should kind of tell people everything they need to know about the situation in corporate America?
1: Dude, you know, he's getting his taste. I mean, that dude, oh, he, he, I, I would require that him to have to have to do that. The one thing that I thought was fascinating in the movie and you post post. The tweets where some people say this, is, there's no pornography in schools, and there's no this. You actually, you know, as they like to say these days, the kids like to say you brought the receipts. You show the book. You're talking to a pastor, and you literally like, do you think this is inappropriate? And The guy's like, absolutely not. I, I number one, I think that was fantastic because I think the left likes to pretend that it doesn't exist. It's which I find fascinating. They they want to do it, but they don't want to admit they're doing it. Right, So they they want to push this agenda on it. And then when you say, well, there's pornography and gay pornography in, in these uh, libraries, they'll say, that's just ridiculous. That's a right-wing talking point. And you show the tweets and the statements where they do that. And then you hold up the book and go, okay, here is, what is it called? Kink or something? And it was like, but- don't you think that that's essential to making this argument It's to, to have the receipts, as the kids say, to say, here's the book. This is in this library. This is what your kid is being exposed to. And if you're embarrassed by this or you don't think it's inappropriate, then take action.
0: You have to have the receipts. I think that was one of the major things I was really surprised by in this national conversation is the lack of elected officials just holding up the books. I remember DeSantis did it, um, you know, and the TV channels in Florida had to blur the images. So this was a discussion we had in editing was, do we blur, you know, some of this stuff? And I ended up saying, you know what? No, because the intention is children are not supposed to be watching this movie. This is for parents. And if kids are, are, are being forced to see this stuff parents need to see it. Adults need to see it and they need to face what they've done. And uh, you're absolutely correct. And it was not just one book, actually. Um, I think we'll release the longer form interview with the pastor at some point. I went through a litany of books. We have a whole stack of them actually in the studio over there because we went through them during the editing process. We got all of these um, and thankfully pulled a bunch of them from
1: libraries and never returned them too. So, Would you be willing to put, I think it would be helpful, and you tell me if you're wrong, I think parents should know, give us a list of 20 books or whatever you have there and say go to your library and find out if these books exist in that library because instead of doing it as a one-off, it would be great to say here's a rolling list of books that have Pornography that are available to kids.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can actually even have Lindsay grab some of them right now and and stick them on the desk here, and I'll show you um, a few of them. But, you know, to, to your point of what you said about this, you know, subject, we did the same thing when it comes to transgender surgeries. We grabbed all the mainstream media clips of NBC, MSNBC, CNN, all these places saying so assertively, that no child is having any sex change surgeries, that nobody's having any transition related surgeries at all, period, it is not happening. This is a conspiracy theory. And then we hard cut to a girl who had a
1: double mastectomy the month of her 13th birthday. And and the and- thing that I found, by the way, I, I was visibly shaken by the long-term effects that she's talking about there in terms of, I think it was the numbness. Um, yeah. And it was just like, I, and then I, I want you to further explain if you can, like, I think you asked her who whoever it was, Kaiser maybe was the uh, the insurance company. And it you was said, Kaiser. Yeah. Are you, st- is she still paying for it? She, the detransition, she said no.
0: Yeah. Kaiser was apparently happy to pay for transitioning a child who was not warned about the severe long-term effects that she'd be facing, but is not quite as excited about helping a detransitioning young lady. Um, so here's some of the books that she was able to grab just now. This book is gay. You can find this in, in public schools um, all over America, okay? Which seems unbelievable, but you can. Um, and it's not just that the book is about gayness. You can see this is what they call the progress flag, which includes the trans rights, uh, black and brown um, you know which they've added to the gay flag. But inside of it um, there is actually a um, directions on how somebody can join grinder and uh, illustrations of erections and how to have gay sex, um, all the different ways to have gay sex, how you uh, cruise to get sex with a random person, a stranger, and this is this is given to kids, you know. So like you're teaching a kid how to go on an app and find some random person to have sex with. Okay? When you say kids, like what, what do you what, what age group is that? Given this to? has been found in middle schools in America. Okay, this has been found in middle school libraries. It's in a bunch of high schools. So if you live in a major city there's a good chance you have this book in your public libraries if it's a major city, okay? Um, So easy to look up usually too. You can look, check your public library first and then the school library because oftentimes the public library has a searchable database and sometimes it includes schools, okay? Um, But schools, a lot of times in major cities have a searchable database as well. And you just type in the title and you'll find it. Another one we found all over the place is genderqueer. This one is very popular with librarians. in fact even in librarians what? it is <laughs> in tennessee i actually found a library that had a massive print of this book hanging in their library okay and it says a uh, banned books week right so it's like oh the right is banning books the, they don't actually tell the truth nobody wants to ban the book if you're an adult you want to go read this garbage go read it it's none of my business you're an adult go read what you want to read we just don't want to give in to kids. You I love I the, uh, like, the,
1: the quote in the movie from the pastor was, we're not looking to ban books, we're banning
0: filth. <laughs> yeah, we're banning filth. Um, but this has, I mean, honestly, you don't want to see these images in genderqueer. It's it's horrific, disgusting. There's a bunch we didn't show on camera in the war on children that like, it's just disturbing stuff, like really disturbing images. I don't know if you want to see this stuff, but um, no, I'm good. I, I watched a so movie. This, I-, I mean, almost every page of this is filth. Um, Another one is Flamer. This one is about the, uh, you know, sort of gay exploits of a kid at camp who is suicidal and, um, it involves a circle of them masturbating. That's high schools all over the place, um, as well. So these are just some of a bunch of books like this, um, and so what, what is, two- what
1: is like, just give me the, if you're a parent right now and you watch the movie, or you watch this interview right now and you go, okay, what, what, is your goal to, to take that book up to the librarian and say, why is this here? What, do you, what is your call to action? Yeah. So that's
0: one thing you can do. Another thing I recommend for all parents, and this is kind of my top recommendation, is go to freedomforever.us. It's the 501c3 nonprofit my wife runs. It's volunteer run. Uh, My wife doesn't take a salary from it or anything like that. Um, It's just to help parents and to help stop this exploitation of kids. And they've got, if you sign up for the email list there, they email you something called the Parenting Revolution Manual. And it has a ton of action items of what people can do to protect their own kids, their community around them, um you know, and and really get involved in ending this war on kids. But in general, my my call would be, say you don't have email and you're just like, Robbie, how do I do something now? I would say, get local because everything about our country starts locally. Our future congressmen, senators, governors, presidents, many times start out as local politicians. So you better get involved in your local politics, figure out what's going on there, what you can do to help good people win because bad people win too often because money is ruling over too much of politics instead of, you know, really a search for values and a values fit. And it's how you end up with so many people in office who are owned by corporations and don't really stand for the people. So, and you know, that's step one. But secondarily, in that community, get involved with other parent groups who are going to be active and organize around the issues that crop up in your community. Those are your prime... If, if you don't want to go online, you don't want to sign up for anything, like that's what... Step one,
1: do that. Okay. It's interesting. There was this guy in Texas who likes to dress in drag and, and while teaching and has finally been put on leave, but he went on dressing as an octopus in a bright pink dress to school. I, I just don't get... Um, how this happens, where, where, like, I. This is why I started that conversation with, like, when, like, the idea of of allowing that as an administrator seems nuts to me. The idea that that these books, like, a librarian is allowed to have that. There was clearly a Rubicon that got crossed.
0: Yeah, and it was once they hit a threshold of power, hiring and firing power, and they have that power in many districts, including in red districts in America right now, by virtue of the fact that we sort of seeded that ground, and that's what has to change. And I do think that's one of the best things that happened in 2022 was you saw this wave of conservative parents, you know, running for school board seats. I think we are going to see some changes as a byproduct of that, but it needs to continue. It can't just end with that part, you know, we've got to encourage, you know, one of the things I really believe in school choice, I think school choice will be a generational change um, in so many respects that will change crime rates, outcomes for the next generation, I think will increase conservatism, because think about it from this vantage point, Sean, right now, these public schools in large cities are cultural epicenters of infecting these kids with wokeness, right? And I hear from parents nonstop who are like, I raised my kid to be a Christian conservative. I don't know what happened at school. They turned into a liberal. Well, they went to school and a bunch of far left activists taught them and they were in a position of power where they were told their whole childhood to trust these people to teach them. And they taught them, that these are the correct values and they spent more time with your kid than you did. So don't be surprised at the outcome. Now what happens if you open up school choice and suddenly 30, 40% of those kids, their parents now can afford to send them to a Christian school or a private school that reflects their value set as a family or even homeschool pot, or whatever it may be. What kind of cultural sea change do you think you will see over the next 20 right. years? It'll be massive. So if and so that's, gets, why in, that's something we're fighting for with AFP.
1: And, and you mentioned at the front end um, that communist countries start by taking over the education system. Based on your research and your best guess, what, what do you think the timeline is here? If we don't take back some of this, what's our timeline look like before it's, it's too late?
0: if we don't turn things around and uh, the 2024 election is, is lost and uh, essentially Democrats have total power on a federal level. Um, I mean, I hate to be blackpilled Sean, but I, I would say that's it. Okay. I'd say that that's the nail in the coffin. If we lose the 2024 election, I don't think that there's coming back from it on a national level. I think that on a local level, you may see movements to separate in some way or something along those lines, which I hate because I don't think a national divorce would be healthy. I don't think it would be good. I think it would be really painful and damaging and do horrific things to our country. But I genuinely deep down, I really do believe that that's where things are headed. If sanity is not restored fairly quickly I think no matter what the outcome is going to be, whether bad or good, I do think we are looking at a very quick sea change, a really quick, like, just boom. And we're going to see some things happen because we can't continue in the state we're in. I think if you look at, just look at polling in terms of where Americans are at financially and their happiness levels and how they see the future it portends very bad things for our country. And so I I do think that we're facing something really, really dangerous, really serious. And I think that there is apathy and a misunderstanding in America about how quickly communism can come to be. Because in Cuba and in other countries where communism did come to rise, that happened as well, where people kind of thought, oh, well, it's not going to happen. And then it happened, bam,
1: boom, before they knew it. And the, the acceptance of it is growing more and more, especially among young people. I want to yeah. ask you one last thing, and I've got about 60 seconds left. You, you, you ran for Congress last cycle, and they came at you, ma'am. I mean, the system came at you. So what did you learn about that, and are you willing to get back involved?
0: So what I learned, um, you know, I don't know if you saw polling from, but I mean, I was beating everybody. (laughs) You know, nobody had a problem with me until I was beating everybody. And then um, I refused all the big, you know, uh, lobbyist money and I refused the big pharmaceutical company money. And that, that seemed to rub some people the wrong way. I was removed from the ballot, I think, which is insane because I've been a Republican my whole life. Um, I was registered in a closed primary state as a Republican. I had lived here for, you know, far beyond the the required amount. Um, there was no... But that's what I'm saying. They came reason. after
1: you, man. This, they were they like, did. no Robbie Starbuck.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I learned that uh, the system is not quite as free and, and fair as I thought <laughs> it was. <laughs> um and i learned that you know i think that america's going to need to go through some hard things to figure out our soul again you know and in terms of if i will run again a bunch of people are trying to get me to run right now for tennessee 7 mark green's it seat just that opened he's retiring up, yeah. from and um you know i i know that i'll pull really well in that district because i actually campaigned in that district when before the redistricting and i'm right here like, right there. So, um, you know, because it all changed recently. Right. And yep. so I've got, you know, a lot of activity there and everything. I love the people in the district. I appreciate so many people want me to run. I'm going to have to think hard about it. This was very unexpected. I right. didn't think Mark would be retiring. You know, he's one of those guys you kind of think would be in Congress for a very long time. Um, so we'll see. I got to like talk about it with my wife and everything. It's hard, you know, move. because the reality is, Sean, we're making so much change happen on a state level. Like we've got bills right. in Idaho and in Kentucky and in Tennessee to give a child rapists the death penalty and a host of other state level bills that we're working on to protect children. And, you know, very successful, you know, production company here that is working toward bringing the truth to light in these films. And so it's hard to, to make the decision, where can I make the most change happen? Because that's really what matters to me. I know that if I went and I ran for Congress, um, there's a bunch of you know celebration people would have in certain ways. But the truth is, I really need to carefully examine how much change can we really get done? Because that's what I care about. You right. know, not, not news hits on Fox or anything else. Like, how can we save this country?
1: Last, uh, so where can people get the movie to, to, to download it?
0: Easiest place is thewaronchildren.com. So just go to waronchildren.com
1: and it has links to all the different places you can watch. All right, well done on the movie. I learned a ton for a guy who, I think I'm pretty, as I said, pretty well up on this issue. But man, some of the organizations and the timelines were fantastic. Robbie Starbuck, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, and let Thank us know you, if Sean. you do decide to jump into the seventh. All right, folks, thanks for being with us today. Uh, continue to subscribe, Apple, YouTube, Rumble, Spotify. Give us that five-star review. That's really appreciated. You can visit those sponsor sites. You can always join the show's VIP group, SeanSpicerShow.com slash VIP. Tomorrow, a great panel discussion. And on Friday, Steve Krakauer is here to talk about the media and where it is as we head further and further in the 2024 cycle. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thanks for joining us.